please do remain standing this evening for our gospel lesson. It comes from Matthew's gospel, the sixth chapter. I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 6 and verses 16 through 21. If you want to follow along, again, it can be found in the New Testament portion of your pew Bible on page number 5 this evening. Page number 5, Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 6 and verses 16 through 21. Hear now the word of the Lord. Be aware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them. For then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be praised by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your alms may be done in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and in the street corners, so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And now verse 16. And whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces as to show others that they're fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting may, not, may be seen not by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasure is in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Gracious God, our Heavenly Father, we come before you this evening. And Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together. We thank you for the reason why we're gathered together. Lord, as we come into this place tonight, we remember our mortality. We reflect upon our dependence upon you. And Lord, we remember that we are dust, that we have come from dust, that one day we will return to dust. But Father, you are the author of our days. You know every hair on our head. You know the thoughts that are going through our minds even now. You know where we've come from this week. You know the challenges that we've faced, the good things that we've experienced. You know even the things that are burdening our hearts at the time. And so, Father, today we give ourselves over to you. And, Father, as we enter into this Lenten season, as we enter into this journey towards the cross of Christ, we ask that you would help us to have our eyes fixed upon you. That, Father, you would be our first thought in the morning, you would be our last thought at night, and that you would be everything for us and to us throughout the day. So Father, today we give our lives over to you, and Lord, we ask that your good, pleasing, and perfect will will be accomplished in us and through us to the honor and glory of your name. Help us to live faithfully as your disciples, both now and forever, and together all God's people said. Amen. You may be seated. 
The prayer life of the pious Hebrew consisted of the Shema, a prayer that was prayed every day. It came from the Old Testament. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. It was said in the morning. It was said in the evening time. And hourly prayers were spoken throughout the day at 9 a.m., at noon, and even at 3 p.m. There were prayers that faithful Hebrews prayed before and after meals. Many prayers were spoken during times of worship as they gathered together in the synagogue and cried out to God. Many prayers were prepared and spoken on on special occasions as God's people gathered together to celebrate a new home, the birth of a child, special events in their lives. In order to demonstrate oftentimes how pious you were as a Hebrew, if you found yourself in the market, if you were in the break room at work, or if you found yourself in the school cafeteria and it came 9 a.m. or noon or even 3 p.m., you would drop everything and you would worship and you would cry out to God in prayer. Your faith was on display for all to see in those moments. Your piety was publicly shown to the world. Rigid and faithful practice of prayer was not the only way to get noticed, though. It wasn't the only way that you could be recognized as one of God's good and faithful servants in the Hebrew community. Almsgiving, giving to the poor, helping those who are in need, that was another way that you could become recognized. It presented the opportunity for public praise and recognition, the opportunity for the community to recognize how faithful you were in your relationship with God. And within the Jewish faith, the tradition of almsgiving had become an important religious practice. It was an act of compassion that was necessary, and so many, many people engaged in it. It provided for the needs of those who were less fortunate, and again, it helped people to know that you were following God faithfully. In fact, it's fair to say, as commentator Dr. Roger Hahn notes, that medical science at that time was still considered rather superstitious. There were no governmental programs for social welfare for those who were in need. Many children were orphaned or had become blind because they didn't have the means to be cared for. So begging became the only means by which they could provide for themselves and their families. And so almsgiving was crucial. It was important, and it was a necessary part of the religious life of that community. So unless people were merciful, unless they were generous, many who lived in Jesus' time wouldn't have had the means by which to live. And thankfully, the Old Testament had commanded, the Old Testament had brought forth this idea of compassion for those who needed these things. And so the law and the prophets taught that the appropriate response to what God was doing as he blessed you was to give to the least of these. But let's face it. There were many who used this as an opportunity for advancement. There were many who used this as a pedestal so that they could receive accolades and praise. There were many who used their almsgiving, their giving to the poor, in order to advance their own status within the community. In fact, some, it's reported, waited until festival time. When there were the sounding of trumpets, a great deal of fanfare, people lining the streets, a lot of hustle and bustle, people coming and going. And they would wait till that specific time to give to the poor. 
Others engaged in grandiose displays, drawing attention to themselves more so than the need of those to whom they had given. And then there were those who were noticed for their prayers. People who would stand on the street corners and pray out loud and make themselves known to all who were around. Again, it was an opportunity to be recognized. And then there was that aspect of fasting that Jesus speaks about there in our scripture tonight. Ancient documents suggest that the Hebrew people fasted regularly. In fact, many fasted weekly on Mondays and on Thursdays. And that's why the Christian community, as they formed together, why they were often known to be fasting on Wednesdays and Fridays. They wanted to distinguish themselves from those who had come before them. But we also know from ancient records and the histories that were there that many Hebrew people fasted. And on occasion, they fasted not only for a day or two during the week, but they fasted for extended periods of time, ranging from somewhere between 10 to 40 days. But there were those, there were those who wanted to appear as if they had been fasting. I mean, as you can imagine, those who had fasted for 10 to 40 days, their bodies were transformed. They showed in their face, in their figure, in their very demeanor, the fact that they had been fasting and praying and crying out to God. Their bodies attested to that fact. But there were others who wanted to seem as if they had been fasting, as if they had been pious, if they had been engaged in this work. And so Jesus talks about that. He talks about this behavior and he says, put oil upon your head, wash your face. Don't put on that makeup. Don't appear as if you've been fasting. Don't appear to be pious if you haven't been engaged in this work. In each of these instances, whether it was prayer, whether it was fasting, almsgiving, whatever it was, those who are engaging in these spiritual practices, Jesus says, don't do so in such a way as to receive the praise, the accolations, and the adelades of others. No. Don't be seen as good. Don't be known as righteous or pious. Don't appear to be God-fearing. Don't attempt to impress others in your relationship with God. Tonight, as we hear these words, we enter into this season of Lent. And these words seem very perfect. They seem very fitting for us. Because as Jesus has this conversation with his first followers, as he talks to the Pharisees, as he talks to those who are there and who are wanting to appear pious, he speaks also to us. We enter into the season of the church where with the help of the Holy Spirit we're intended to examine our lives to see where our lives don't match up where God's leading with his direction with what his word is speaking. During this season we examine our lives to look for where sin has crept in where we've become complacent and comfortable. And we prepare ourselves for the feast of Easter, for the celebration of Christ and the new life that he has come to bring, the hope that he has come to give. But it's somber time for us. 
It's a time that is characterized typically by sackcloth and ashes, just as Joel spoke of, just as Jesus speaks of. A time characterized by sorrow and supplication on our part. A time in which we repent of our sin. In which with a broken and contrite heart like David, we come before God and we lay ourselves bare and we ask for his forgiveness. Yet interestingly enough, although all these things which often are considered private between us and God, all of those things begin with tonight, Ash Wednesday, a very public display of our brokenness, of our frailty, of the fact that we have come from dust and to dust we will one day return. And tonight, even as we gather together and as we hear those words, in just a few moments, we're going to have a very public display emblazoned on our forehead. The sign of the cross in ash. And we're going to have the opportunity to go forth into this world. To the grocery store. To our homes. To our families. To those that we meet before our day come to, comes to an end. And they're going to see that very public display. And throughout this season, many of us are going to fast. We're going to give up various things. It may be sugary sweets. It may be the richness of meats on Friday. It may be renouncing the comfort and familiarity of television each and every evening. Or it may be something else entirely. But therein lies the challenge, right? Balancing that inward work that God is doing within us with what's going on outwardly as we encounter others. Balancing our inward pursuit of God with those changes that God is bringing about in us. And that can be challenging. Because what do you do say when there's that farewell luncheon at work and there's that rich cake and you've given up sugary sweets? And you say, no. I can't eat that today. Or what do you do when everyone's gathered around the water cooler and they're talking about that latest episode of whatever it was on TV and you would normally chime in, but now you have nothing to say? Or what do you do when you order that fish sandwich rather than that rich, greasy burger on a Friday? Therein lies the challenge, right? There's part of us that wants to tell. To invite and welcome others into these outward acts that we're engaged in. We want to tell others, I can't eat red meat because it's part of my religious practice during these 40 days. Or we want to say to others, I can't indulge in that cake because I've given that up for Lent. Or you know what? I can't engage in that conversation about last night's episode of whatever it is because I didn't see it. I've DVR'd it and we're going to watch it after Lent ends. Part of us, if we're honest, wants to disclose what's going on, don't we? Part of us wants to scream it from the mountaintops 
look, I am a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. Part of us wants to share. Part of us wants to don that makeup and say, can't you see what I'm doing and what I'm giving up and how I'm fasting and how committed I am? But today's text reminds us that as much as we want to do that, as much as sometimes we want to shout from the mountaintops about our piety and our commitment to Christ, as much as sometimes we want to be acknowledged for our faithful spiritual practices. We don't do them for others. We engage in these practices. We enter into these 40 days of Lent. We receive that ashen cross tonight. Because of what God is doing in us and what God wants to accomplish in us. Amen. Our spiritual practices are that. They're practices of devotion. They're intended to cultivate a growing, vibrant relationship with Christ. To draw us into a deeper, a more abiding relationship with him. So when we give to the needy, when we talk to God in prayer, when we fast and when we pray, we don't do it so that we can receive the approval of one another or even of others. We do it so that we can draw into more intimate communion and relationship with our God and King. But that's the challenge, right? Because even in our world, many people still know what Len is. And there's that temptation to go through the motions. There's that temptation to attend church, to pray, to give, to fast, to do so, so that others might recognize just how faithful we are. It's not that doing those things are wrong. It's not that these practices should be avoided. In fact, they should be embraced. But it's that we need to recognize tonight these practices, these things, whether it's prayer, almsgiving, fasting during this 40-day season, these are a means by which we enter into a deeper connection with God. That's why we do them. Not so that we can celebrate how how wonderful I am at fasting. Oh, oh, look how much weight you've lost. It's been great. That's not why we do it. We do it so that we can draw closer to God, so that we can faithfully live as his people, both now and forever. So my prayer for us this Lenten season is that as a congregation, as individuals, we would pursue God with every fiber and facet of our being. That we would cry out to him in prayer, just as scripture talks about, that we would give to those who are poor and needy. That we would fast 
And in so doing, we would learn how dependent we are upon God. But I also pray that we would practice those acts of piety in such a way that we're not seen by others, but that our Father who is in heaven sees us. Amen and amen. With that in mind this evening, I want to encourage you just right where you are to be still and quiet. Before we enter into this invitation to Lenten discipline, I want to encourage you, maybe you've been thinking about giving up something and fasting from it for this 40-day season. Or maybe you're thinking about engaging in a new spiritual practice, whether it may be daily Bible reading, prayer, doing some extra spiritual reading that you've not done before, but whatever it might be, I want to encourage you just in your heart and with no one else listening in to lift those things up before God. Those things that you want to get up, give up and have stripped away over these next 40 days so that you might draw closer to God, but also those things that you want to offer up so that you can draw closer to Him. So let's do that before we enter into this invitation.